you for being here. What a joy to have you in this morning's worship service. This first day of December, it is such a joy to begin the Advent season with you. I hope your Thanksgiving um, week went well. I hope that there's enough leftovers so that you don't have to do anything else today but just eat leftovers. Um, I also hope this morning that you came anticipating God's presence. You don't come just to be together, though I certainly enjoy that. We come together so that God might be in our midst, we might learn and grow and be challenged and refreshed and offer our worship of praise. So welcome to this place this morning. My name is Dee. I am your pastor here and um, so glad to be part of a group of people that uh, do our best to um, respond to the needs of this congregation and to the work in our community and what a joy to be here. Um, you should have when you came in, gotten a few things, a worship folder that you can follow along if you're new to this service. It will let you know of the songs we'll be singing, the scriptures we'll be reading, and um, you can make sure we're keeping pace with what's said in there. Inside, you may have received a um, bulletin that tells of the many things that are taking place in the life of our church. I would love to bring to your attention a few announcements that I know you can read, but I also would like to highlight the first is that we have the giving tree available if you're interested in providing for the needs of some others during the Christmas season. Um, after this service, you can go out and find a tree with a number of um, pieces of paper on there that you can take and participate by purchasing and providing some Christmas things for others. Uh, we had a great response last week. We um, have more opportunities this week. So if you'd like to participate in that, we would love for you to do so. Um, secondly, we have a wonderful Advent card that tells you of all of the things that are going on. If you don't have one of these but would like one, right out where you get the name tags um, on the front left corner. You can find this. It's great to post on your bulletin board, your refrigerator and be reminded of the wonderful events that are coming up through this uh, season, through this month. Also out there, some of you um, just have a wonderful tradition of using the Advent season to go through a series of devotions day after day. Uh, we provide different ones, different years, and this one, Let the Heavens Be Glad, a devotional that comes out of the writings of Henry Nowen, and I think you would enjoy this very much. If you've never done it before, I might challenge you to just try it for a couple days and see how it resonates with your journey. But these are available for you just outside the second set of doors if you would like them. Um, and then finally, this is something I hope you have gotten. Every year we provide a re-adventing calendar or options for you to do things a little bit differently during this holiday season. And inside you'll find a number of challenges, opportunities to participate in this season in a way that is slightly different than what all the advertisers might offer to us, um, but maybe a little more in keeping with some of the values that we hold dear 
and provide some ways by which to do that. You've got a group of people out of this congregation in the second um, gathering that meet together on a regular basis and months ahead of time begin to prepare to put this together. I hope you'll make good use of it. I would love for those who are at the end of each aisle to grab one of the friendship notebooks and hold it so that you will be sure to use it after we finish passing the peace to one another. So I invite you to stand, greet one another, and let somebody know you are glad they are here this morning.
and the challenging give us reasons to hope. That's because Advent reminds us where we place our hope, that we trust in a gracious, faithful, powerful God, a God who lived among us to know us intimately. Together, let's help each other recall how God has moved in our lives before and find strength to hope once again in the God who lives among us. May God move among us this Advent, prompting us to think about how we may be used to bring hope into the lives of others. Continue our worship by taking our hymnals and turning to hymn 192. As we ponder Christ coming to us, we have an invitation that we sing here to ourselves and to others. Come and worship. Let's stand together.
Jerusalem. In the last day, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in God's paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord.
Reading from Romans 13. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, close yourselves with Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. The word of the Lord. into a time of prayer, bring our petitions, our praises to the Lord, allow God's Spirit not only to minister to you, but to guide you as to how to pray this morning. Let's pray together. us this morning who 
experiencing grief or hurt or despair, you might this morning receive a touch from your spirit that would somehow replace that, um, that emptiness with something that fills us. <coughs> that it would help us to hold the grief while somehow moving us toward gratitude. A way by which we move from the hurt of the moment into a recognition that there is yet more to unfold, and the hope that with you in our midst, that future might be brighter, might be more hopeful, might contain promise, might hold for us ways by which we can participate in something that's bigger than ourselves greater than our lives, larger than our own vision, and yet be held by you, the one who knows us so well. May our silence begin to be a silence of anticipation, awaiting that looks to what you might be in the midst of doing when it appears as if nothing is taking place, Lord. May we rest assured that you have not abandoned or left. You have not turned your back. But instead, you are fully present in our midst. This morning, May somehow in our worship, our reading, our singing, may you hear our spirit of anticipation of what you will do. So this morning, Lord, in faith, we bring our petitions, our hopes, the dreams that have sometimes held us steady. This morning we want to give all to you and put our trust in you. The psalmist very clearly teaches us that blessed are those who put their trust in you. This morning seeking your blessing, we recognize the many ways in which our trust has fallen into other places. Remind us this morning, Lord, that our trust is in you. Let that be part of our sacrifice this morning. <coughs> Giving ourselves fully into your hands for the guidance in your direction. In this season of anticipation, will you build within us a vision of the work that you are doing? May we be part of what it means to bring it to completion. May we work as if it depended on us, but help us to trust, knowing that it's dependent on you. So Lord, to that end, we offer up the prayer 
prayed so many times, but once again, Lord, it reminds us of the centrality of our faith and how it guides our life. And so we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. to remind you that the next several Sundays have a slightly different feel to them. Um, next Sunday at this time, we'll be gathering in the Family Life Center for Joyful Sounds of Christmas to hear more of the beautiful music that we've been hearing this morning. Thank you, choir ensemble, for 
such beautiful, beautiful music and Randy for that auditory. Um, so next week it will be offered at both service times in the Family Life Center. So just want to give that to you as a reminder. The following Sunday, one of our just most wonderful outreaches of the year is the children's musical that's taking place. We'll all gather together in um, the large worship center to hear our children sing, and uh, what a great time it will be. So I hope you will plan on joining us for that. And that's one presentation, uh, service time starting at 10.30, um, and we will allow the Sunday school classes to determine their meetings in the hour that's prior to that. So the next two Sundays are a little bit different for us. Um, the title of this message is The Walking Classroom. I don't know if you've ever felt that you've taken a walk and on the walk you have learned more than you could have ever learned by reading a book. Sometimes it's great to read a book and then take the walk and see the very practical implications or applications of what you've read in all of the things that are around you. There's so many walks where I felt like I have learned things that I could never have learned had I not paid attention to the things that are around me. I know there is a very intentional walk, a walking that has a destination in mind, a walk that is simply to get you someplace, and being distracted by the things that are around will just distract you from getting to where you're going on time, at the appropriate moment, and nothing else matters that much. I've been on those kinds of walks as well. I've been on those kinds of trips where somebody has asked me if I've noticed something that they knew was part of that pathway, and I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Not realizing that I'd either, either driven by or walked right by something that was pretty amazing, but I was so intent on my destination. I missed what was right around me. I had an opportunity with Russ to share some pictures of a long journey that each of us made at different times up Long's Peak in Colorado. Um, it's tough to not notice the things that are around you because those walks are so long. If you're solely focused on something that's way, way off in the distance, it's difficult to keep your motivation strong as the um, clock just ticks away. But the reverse is also true. Distracted by all of the things that are beside you, you'll possibly never make it a destination if you don't keep the end in mind. Both have a great deal of importance. And this morning, as we look at the passage in Isaiah, I would propose to you that this passage teaches to us both the importance of the destination and the value of the journey. And that there's so much in both that keeps us moving in the right direction, focused on the right things, and passionate about the things that, that will transform us from the inside out. Isaiah chapter 2 speaks about a vision that came to Isaiah, the son of Amos. And this was a vision that had to do with Judah and Jerusalem. It speaks about 
a vision that he sees, not just a voice that he hears. He captures a notion of what can be. And not, at least from the perspective of the hearers of his audience, not some pie in the sky, oh, wouldn't this be wonderful sort of a thing, but instead postures it or positions it as the word of God. This vision coming to Isaiah, where he sees the hill on which rests God's holy place, rising up to be taller than all of the other hills, and people streaming toward it. They say among themselves, let's go to the temple of the God of Jacob, and there we will learn God's ways and follow in God's paths. The pathway that God teaches because out of this sacred holy place will pour out teachings from God that will divide and judge the nations. And as a result of that, swords will be turned into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. No longer will nation take up sword against nation. No longer will war be taught. But instead, we will walk in the light of God's path. Now this is postured as the word of God a vision given to Isaiah. I'm going to grant that it's in poetic form. There's this beautiful sense of imagery that calls us to allow our hearts to be moved by the words that evoke emotion and hope. The prospect of peace draws us into faith. It contains all of those things that we celebrate during the Advent season. It does come in the midst of a section of Isaiah that is called the judgment oracles or the judgment passages. Because there is much in these chapters that precede it and follow it, chapter 1 and in chapters that follow, that speak of God's judgment toward the people. If we place the message in context, there is particular significance about the imagery of the swords and the spears and the use of those things for plowshares and pruning hooks. This is full-blown Iron Age time. This is when the use of metals has transformed the way in which the world works. This is a time when agriculture is multiplied in terms of what it produces because of the tools that are able to be used. Tools that were invented certainly a couple centuries before this time, but, but the forging of these tools allowed for great prosperity. 
violent, far different than it was before this age. And it wasn't as if there was an unlimited supply of metals. The development of the technology of that time, just like there is today, there are items that are limited in terms of their abundance. And the fact that there was so much war at that time, the people of Israel not being at the top of the pecking order, knew how much it took away from their ability to produce food because of how much had to be spent in terms of actual metal resources on the instruments of war. So to hear a prophetic word from some person, someone who I believe was speaking the voice of God who said this vision that I've received is a vision where swords are going to be used once again in the fields. They're going to be hammered out and used as plowshares or spears that we've stockpiled in abundance for what we need. There'll come a time when nation will no longer rise up against nation. <clears throat> when these resources can be used to take care of the needs of the people, not simply to defend or protect. And that certainly is one of the needs and why they were used that way. This message had particular significance to the many, many people who were dependent on what the ground would produce for them to survive. I came across in preparation for this morning a fascinating speech from Eisenhower, who was the head of the Allied forces and eventually became President of the United States, one who wrestled deeply with those kinds of issues. His family, I understand, had an excerpt from his 1953 speech entitled A Chance for Peace. Had a portion of that speech inscripted on his tomb. I've never seen it. I only know this from reading about it, and I hope I get the quote correct. You know what? I don't want to mess it up. I'm just <laughs> going to read it to you. It, it's not the um, most warm and friendly thing to have written on a tomb, but it is certainly powerful. Eisenhower said in his speech, every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired, signals in the final sense a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. 
He goes on in the speech, though it's not in the tomb, to talk about the cost of one modern heavy bomber that is comparable to 30 brick high schools in 30 different towns, or two electric power plants servicing a town of 60,000 people, or two fully functioning hospitals. It was one who understood the needs of a country to protect and defend and the great costs in terms of resources. And I just simply say what great respect I have for someone who just wrestles with that. Wrestles with answers that don't come easy. But in a season of Advent, in a season where we come to the prophetic word of Isaiah, to at least acknowledge that the conversations have to take place if we're going to follow faithfully into God's word and say, oh Lord, here's a vision. You give it to one of your chosen servants. When does it come to pass? When does it come to fruition? When can this happen? Is peace never to be something we enjoy? It seems to me that over and over again, I cannot get away from the fact that we live out, but we live inwardly. If the wars within never come to peace, the wars without will never come to peace. If the vision of Isaiah, the hope of Christ, is to occur, we need to hear the message of Christ. It is the spirit that lives within that brings peace within. When peace within begins to take place among God's people, and that spreads, then it's that peace that then has an outward expression of hope. So how do we do that? What would it look like for me, D. Kelly, to take a weapon and turn it into a plowshare. What is it when I use a phrase, or worse, when I use a scripture as a weapon against somebody else? Is that what it was intended for? Or was God's word intended to bring peace? How can I weaponize that which God gave in grace? I've heard it said, the pen is mightier than the sword. But how often has the pen been used as a weapon to destroy someone else, to pass half-truths that undermine somebody's integrity, somebody's opportunity, somebody's outlook. What if I take that weapon and return it to its proper use, where the pin becomes a method of reconciliation, 
a, a letter that can offer a peace offering, a gesture of kindness. When has it been that my resources, my income, has somehow been used in a way that brought division? What if I took that and turned that into a pruning hook? An instrument of peace that brought good to someone else. This is a call to nations. But let's be honest, we comprise the nations. So when it says, let's go up to the temple of the God of Jacob, it is let's go together, but also let's recognize I have a personal responsibility to take a walk in this classroom of God. We do it together, but we have to join in individually so that we can be part of doing it together. Right, every once in a while, on my paycheck that I receive from you, thank you, <laughs> it has on the sheet the breakdown of all of the deductions that take place and then what's left over that matches whatever the paycheck is. And I have circled my federal and state income tax number. I just say to myself, oh, I want to give more to the work of the kingdom of God than I give to this. <laughs> I want my allegiance to be acknowledged that I believe that the kingdom of God is what we need to bring about peace. I, I willingly pay the taxes because I think there are many good things that come out of that. But somewhere inside, I want it to be known in me. My allegiance is to God's kingdom. And that's where my hope lies. I have expectations of my government, but my hope is in Christ. And the call in Isaiah is a call to that place that says, yes, this is the vision, and the vision is for you and me. I can do this this week. I can take what is often used as a weapon this week in my life and change it to a wonderful, helpful tool. You think of it, what is it in your journey that is easily weaponized? Maybe it's been used against you instead of using that same thing against someone else, what would it look like to let it be transformed by God's grace? And for Isaiah's prophetic word to come true this week, not in some long distant future, but you can point to something that you've participated in. And in so you doing, you have said, come, Lord Jesus, come. If you're looking for a place to put your first step again, here's what I've tried to do something 
that brings to pass the vision that you've given to us. A gesture of peace, an offering of hope, an expression of joy. Praise be to God that God has placed that within our power to start it here and now. The invitation to the table is an invitation to embrace the vision and to say, oh Lord, how might I participate? What might you be calling me to do? And then could I propose? Wait. If that's what Advent is about, is waiting, could it be that in the quiet moments, God might show you some weapons in your arsenal? And God might give you a vision of what it might look like as a pruning fork or plowshare, an instrument of hope, a gesture of grace, an expression of joy, an act of peace. Lord, this morning, we come to your table with hearts that at least for some of us are war-torn. Inward battles that end up having outward expressions over and over again. Oh Lord, if you would give us inward peace this morning. And as odd as this sounds, if you would draw us to the foot of the cross, or an instrument of destruction became the symbol of grace. The miraculous transformation of that which symbolized the worst became for us the symbol of love. So, Lord, here at the table, the table where grace is offered, may we be moved to live in such a fashion. For we are trained up in grace, become schooled in mercy, find ourselves academically achieving great things in the area of hope and faith. They become practical to us, Lord. As practical as the food we eat. And so, at the table, may this food for us, Lord, be your body of grace, your blood of sacrifice, your hope of life eternal begun today. And for that, we thank you, Lord. Amen.
invite the ushers to come. Anyone this morning who would like to participate, we invite you to do so. Those who uh, long to be fed by that food of grace, if for any reason you would care not to, please just let the elements pass by. That's perfectly all right. And I ask that you would hold the elements so we can all take together as one.
similar fashion, he took the cup, gave it to each one of them, the blood of the new covenant. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. We take in remembrance of my life. Thank you. 